0: Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Wow, thanks Shane. Cliff, thanks for that. That was amazing testimony, eh? Just awesome. Incredible. Started this year I quit. Quit making excuses. My father was one of the most natural evangelists I've ever, ever come across. He could fall down these stairs and three people would get saved catching him. <laughs> I remember when he was doing a hospital visit once and he was being in to see someone from the church, and on the way out, there's a man, he's sitting in the waiting room with his hand in his head. You know, he's, just, he's in, sorry, his head in his hands. Let's try that the right way around. And Dad goes up to him and goes, You're all right, mate? He goes, Oh, the wife's not well. She's, she's going through an operation. Dad goes, Oh, okay. He goes, "Why?" The guy asks, Why are you here? He says, I'm, I'm pastor. I'm here visiting someone from the church. He says, can I pray for you? And the guy goes, well, actually, I'm agnostic. Now, Dad had a grade 8 education. So he looks at the guy and goes, agnostic? Can you be an agnostic Christian? And the guy goes, I don't know. And Dad says, well, just pray this prayer after me and we'll find out. (laughs) My brother Simon is the same deal. He would, uh, right from a very young age, had such a passion to see people come to know Jesus. Wherever he went, he would be taking the opportunity to pray for people, to share his faith that was there. And so I would always make the excuse that evangelism is my father's gift. It's my brother's gift. But at the start of this year, I quit making excuses. Last weekend, on Saturday, I got a phone call from a, a man uh, that I'd done his wedding the year before. I'd done it as a favour to his father-in-law, or new father-in-law, who I'd had a friendship with, and so these weren't people in my church. And he rang me up. It was a Saturday morning. My family and I, we were down at a place called Nambucca Heads, suffering for Jesus. <laughs> It would have been so easy not to take the phone call. It's a day off, it's a Saturday, but I picked it up and said, hey, how are you going? He goes, to be honest, Phil, we're really not doing well at all. We've got some, some major issues and, and we don't know how we're going to go. I'm saying, well, let's, let's get together. And the, the quickest time that I could work it with my schedule and their schedule together was Friday. That's just happened. They got into a good argument on Saturday night last week. And his way of resolving it was to go into the bedroom, slam the door, and hang himself. His wife of a few months walks in and finds him there and has to cut him down. He wakes up in the emergency department. So I see him on Friday morning after he's been discharged from the mental health unit that's there. And he tells me what's gone on. It's been a while since I've been that upset with someone. But the two men I just talked about, my father and my brother, both of them passed away of cancer after fighting it for three years. And they would have given just about anything to have what he was going to throw away. I told them about their story. I told them about what it looks like to have life and life more abundant. I told them off. I told them some pretty hard truths. And then I led him to faith in Christ on Friday morning in my office. And where there was death, life came to replace it. I quit saying that was my father's gift. I quit making the excuse that that was something my brother was good at. And so at the start of this year, I asked Pastor Tim McDonald to come down to Coffs Harbour. Told my team to get their very best altar calls. Prepared. And for two days, I made my team, including myself, get up in front of Tim and over and over and over again practice presenting Christ to others. Since we did that seven weeks ago, across all of our services, and we run six services a week, we have seen now 39 people come to faith for the first time in Jesus Christ. I quit making excuses. I'm an expert when it comes to excuses. I can find the loophole. I can see the the crack that I can slip through that's there. But since quitting excuses, I've seen some amazing things take place. We started this year in prayer. It's our custom in our church. And so we do a three-week period right at the start of the year. And so we did a series called Pray First. Lorna joined us in this series. Lorna lives with a terminal liver condition. And so every three months Lorna would go and she'd have to have that scan, you know, where you lie in the machine and it ticks you off loud. And she's a registered nurse and she knew the procedure very well and she has seven years of records of watching her liver function decrease. And unless she was going to get a transplant, she understood that her life had a very limited lifespan. Lorna prayed with us over those three Sundays, those two weeks in January, as we believed God for a miracle for her and for so many others. The start of February, she went and got her next three-monthly scan, and instead of taking the normal 20 minutes, they spent an hour with her in that machine. And she was in and out and in and out. She said, Phil, it was the most amazing thing. It was like I wasn't alone, though. It was like Jesus was there and he was, just, he was just working and all over me. And we have a prayer meeting that she comes from the scan okay, to the prayer meeting. She's got no results or anything else. But she's jumping up and down and running back and forth. I'm going, who is this woman? What has happened to the Lorna that I knew? She goes back a week later and the doctors say, we can't understand it, we can't explain it, there was a reason you were there for an hour. Okay? When we've gone to look at your liver function and to look at the liver itself, it shows no sign at all of disease. You have a new liver. Like, I quit finding excuses. And it's changing my world. It's changing the world of others. The Bible has an account of another expert when it comes to excuses. And um, I want to take us this morning to a, a story that we're so familiar with. And so if we can go through to right here, Exodus chapter 3. Okay, If you've got your Bibles on your device or you want to read up on the screen, just to make sure that the stuff I put on the screen is actually in the Bible. It's always a good thing to check. you know. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. Now there's a demotion. You go from being the prince of Egypt... Okay, and now you are 80 years old and you are a shepherd. And not only are you a shepherd, you're not even tending your own sheep. At 80, you are still looking after your father-in-law's sheep. How old was Jethro? Okay, we don't know. But have a look at this. Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses! Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites... Parasites? No, Hivites and Jebusites now live. At this stage, Moses is on board. God has come down himself. There's supernatural all over this, and so far it's like Moses is just watching the news. There's no Moses involvement in this, right? What what does Moses have to give at this stage? Nothing. He's just listening to what God's going to do. And it's good news. He comes from Egypt. He knows, hey, strange, you should mention that. I've been there. Yes, they are being mistreated. You can just see him nodding along and then suddenly the conversation changes. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, go! This is the change in the conversation. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. Hang on. One moment, you're going to rescue the people and I'm up for that. And now who's rescuing them? You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Last Sunday, Pastor Shane right here taught that we are all, as believers in Jesus Christ, ministers of Christ. We are all gifted. We are all called. We are all equipped to minister. And I know, being the people that you are, because this is not my first trip here, that you would have gone home and diligently studied. You would have put together a to-do plan An action list. This is the areas I'm going to serve in. These are the skills that I'm going to get. All of you, right, went home this week, studied hard. I know Cliff did, okay? You could see it all over him when he was up here. Is there possibly, maybe, just a slight possibility that in this room, like in the room that I'm in most Sunday mornings, where most of us are like the rest of us, someone who might have thought, yeah, but, come on, then you're in church, it's okay. But Moses protested to God Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Does Moses know Pharaoh? Yes, he does. He grew up in this household, he fled from this palace. Okay. Who am I to to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Oftentimes the first excuse I make when God speaks to me and he asks me to do something is, God, you have got the wrong person. You've made a mistake somewhere. Really, there's better people than me for this. That is not where I see my life going. That wasn't part of the the plan. That's not on my agenda at the moment. Okay. You've got it wrong. We read on. God answered, I will be with you. God's no respecter of persons. That doesn't mean he doesn't respect you. It means he doesn't play favorites. And in that, he's the God of... Moses. He reminds Moses that he was also the God of his ancestors. And I want to remind you that he's the God of Shane, he's the God of Phil, and he's also the God of you. The same God. He doesn't change. God answered, I will be with you. And God's answering you this morning as he challenges you to take the next step in your journey of faith. And you can say to yourself, as I've said to myself again and again, you've got the wrong person. Who, me? You can just imagine Moses. He's at the bush. It's like looking over his shoulder. Surely God's talking to someone else. Not me. 80 years old. I'm a shepherd for the last 40 years. I fled the very country in fear that you're asking me to go back into. Who, me? God answers. I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. God's drawing Moses a picture of the future, and he gives him a touch point that's right where he's standing. He's saying, you can see a burning bush, but I can see a liberated people here worshiping me. We look at our current circumstances when God's trying to get our vision lifted up to where he wants to take us. And we're rooted and we're grounded okay, at this first encounter, but God wants to draw us on and in. I will be with you. So of course Moses immediately hops into the desert okay, and crosses over and goes to Egypt. That's not what actually takes place. Moses is just like you and I. God says, I'm going to be with you. That's not your fault. That's me playing with the microphone. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Okay, what does that look like in our world? Well... Pastor Shane has asked me to run a connect group. But what happens if John or Cliff comes over to the connect group? And Cliff asks me, well, I've just got back from Thailand and there's all these these atrocities taking place over there. And so why would God let those things happen? And, And what am I meant to tell them? What if they ask questions that I, I don't know the answer to? Not that anyone's ever thought that, right? I really should, you know, go to Bible college first, someday. And right now, you know, things are a bit busy and it's just not the right time to really, you know. And so maybe Cliff should do it. He sounds really passionate. Get, get, get Cliff to do it. Have we ever used the excuse, I'm not ready, I'm untrained, I'm unprepared? This is too much of a surprise. You've got to give me a lead time on this of about 40 years. And and I'm not saying no, but let's just delay. My mum, God bless her, has this saying that delayed obedience is... Anyone else have a saying? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Remember the parable that Jesus told? The father with two sons and he sends them out into the vineyard. One son says, no, no, and then thinks about it and goes. Another son says, yes, yes, but doesn't go. He says, which one was the obedient one? Obedience is proven in action that's there. Can I tell you something? My experience in pastoring. Other than when we first come to faith in Christ, that first year when so much transformation is taking place. Supernatural. You see see it in people's eyes and their hearts, literally as they come to faith in Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, there's going to be an opportunity very shortly for you to, to choose Jesus. Okay? But other than that first, I don't know. People are different. Three months, six months, that first year and how much we grew in faith. From there on in, have you noticed that most growth is incremental? And here's the deal. I wish that we grew in our faith by receiving information like we are now. Wouldn't that be awesome? But we live in a time and an age where we have been taught that knowledge doesn't necessarily result in action. We can know but not do. I know that if my diet was better, I would be healthier. I know that if I slept better, okay, I would be healthier. I know that if I exercised more frequently, I would be healthier. Do I want to be healthy? Yes. Do I have the knowledge? Yes. Do I have the application? Thank you very much. (laughs) Educated beyond obedience. Delay, delay, delay. Not now. We know, but we don't do. Can I tell you that no matter how great I preach, okay, and I can preach, okay, but when it comes to Cliff, this morning it's not going to be my preach that's growing you. It's going to be this week's preparation as you were getting ready to do communion, writing that out, thinking about what you were going to include and what you didn't that was there. And that brought growth in your walk with Christ this week. It's our doing, folks. Our doing. I'm not prepared. Do. Have a go. You'll grow on the job. Okay? God said, I will be with you. What's your excuse? Moses. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. That's my name. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Well... Personally, if God's speaking to me out of a burning bush, I'm really saying, Yes, sir. How high do you want me to jump? I'm on my way. Okay. But Moses, he's just not me. Okay. And we go through there, and he has another excuse. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? What's this excuse? It goes a little bit like this. I don't have the faith for that. Oh, I tried praying one of those prayers for someone once before, and uh, it, it didn't work. I, I, I need to, you know, I've got to be a better Christian. I've got, to, you know, I've got to get more spiritual that's there. And yet, we go through this. If we go to that next slide, I have doubts. And so I'm, I'm going to obey the Lord, but I'm going to obey the Lord when I no longer have doubts. And we go through all these things to remove doubt. Why doesn't God appear to me in a burning bush like he did to Moses? Then I might run that connect group that Cliff's coming along to. God, there hasn't been a burning bush for me. And yet you know in your heart that God has spoken to you. Come on, you do. Yeah? You know there's a next step. And you know that I'm talking to you. You know that on those seats in front of you, there's a card that's going to help you grow in your walk with Christ. It's going to stretch you. It's going to help you to take that next step. And what is it that's stopping us right now from reaching forward to those pockets? Having a look at that and going, you know something? I quit making excuses. I quit making excuses. God, I want to take you at your word. I want to grow. I want to be used. Yes, I have doubts. It's like that man who came to Christ begging for his daughter. I believe Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus looked at him and said, you rotten sinner. No, he didn't. He reached out and his daughter was healed. You know something this morning, it's okay for you to say the same words. I believe. Help my unbelief. We've got to have faith in our faith and not faith in our unbelief. Well, of course, at this stage, Moses is totally convinced, right? And so the story should wrap up. No, (laughs) he's not. Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hands? A shepherd's staff. Moses replied, Throw it down on the ground, the Lord. Told him So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. He'd been a shepherd for 40 years. Of course you would. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. At that stage, I've got my doubts. Okay. So Moses reached out and grabbed it. Where do you grab a snake, by the way? By the head. By the head. Who's going to grab a snake by the tail? So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into the shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, I love how God keeps reminding him, I was there, really has appeared to you. But he's not done. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by this first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And even if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. And when you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been, and I'm not now. Despite making all these excuses, by the way. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied, and my words get tangled. Come on, here's the next excuse. Bring the slide up. I'm not good at that. Not my gifting. Not my calling. That overseas mission staff, now that's that's for Cliff. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to lift him up before the Lord. Go on. Try lifting him. Ever use that excuse? I have. I'm not real good at, at, at asking people personally to come to faith in Christ. That's something that, that my brother and my father are gifted at. And how many people... How many people didn't find Christ because I found an excuse? My friend Lockie Jones is a pastor for elevation at Tweed Heads. The other day, on his day off, he went and bought a bicycle because his father-in-law, Ross Abraham, okay, is a mad keen cyclist. And Ross does several hundred k's a week on his push bike. Okay? And so, Lockington found the most unmanly bicycle he possibly could just to annoy his father-in-law. Okay, it's a girl's one with a basket on the front, etc. Okay, secondhand, it was in the paper, so he went and bought this bike, and he's gone around to the guy's place to pick it up, and the guy comes out, and he's limping. And so, Lockie says, hey, what happened, mate? And the guy goes, oh, I do martial arts, and the guy looked like it, okay? And he goes and says, yeah, no, I injured it, you know, in a really manly way, not like kicking it, you know, the corner of the bed on the way back from the bathroom. He's actually got a manly injury. You know, Tanner boy, yeah, Okay, that's there. And Lockie, oh, okay, yeah, no problems. And Lockie's trying to shove the bike into the boot of his car because the Holy Spirit's and saying, you need to pray for that man. You need to pray that he gets healed. And Lockie's looking at the size of the man. He's looking at his numerous tattoos. He's looking at his boot. He's looking at his watch. He's looking at the thought that this is my day off. Stop annoying me. Gets in his car, starts the engine, and the Holy Spirit's going, Lockie, you gotta pray for him. Lockie, you gotta pray for him. And he's ticked by this stage. So in the end, leaving the car running, (laughs) opens the door, (laughs) comes back out to the guy, says, Mate, look, I'm a pastor, and I would you mind if I prayed for your foot? Because I believe in a God who heals. Okay? And the guys like oh yeah sure mate lucky <laughs> like kneels down places his hand on the guy's foot and prays for him and it's at this point in a pastor's illustration that i should be saying and he was miraculously healed he jumped to his feet he found faith the angels were singing you want to know what happened nothing lucky <laughs> says how's that now No, mate, it actually hurts. (laughs) Right, okay, well, you know, sometimes God can take a little bit of time. So anyway, thanks for the bike and hops back in his car, drives off having a very stern conversation with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Two weeks later, he's walking through his foyer in his church and the lady, the guy's wife, is there. He's going, what are you doing here? She goes, oh, well, about 15 minutes after you left... My husband's just there on the couch and he's moving his foot around. I'm going, what are you doing, darling? I don't know what's happened, but that's all fine now. It's all fixed. So we came to church last week and we found faith in Jesus Christ. How different would your world be if you obeyed God every time he spoke to you? How different would this church be? What would it look like if we turned delayed obedience into not my will, but yours be done? I'm not good at that. It's not my gifting, calling, or purpose. Really? Who are you talking to? And this is what God says, straight back at Moses. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? That mouth that you're saying is not good? Who do you think formed it? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear, see or do not see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Come on. God of the universe. He's not being subtle now. This is not a hint. This is a direct instruction. I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. But our mate Moses is just like you and I. Most of us are like the rest of us. And this is what he says right at the end. And it was what was in his heart right from the very beginning. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. How many times when we get down to it is, I just don't want to. Get anyone else. Anyone. I don't care. Because I don't want to do that. What is it that God is speaking to you about this morning? Can we have the heart of Christ as we go to the next slide? That as He's looking at the next day, knowing everything that's coming, every mistake that I've made, He's about to pay the price for, every bad decision. Every blatant, ungodly word and action is about to be placed upon him. And he was like us, the Bible tells us. And he actually asked God, God, is there another way? And yet his heart is the heart that I've had to try and find again and again, where he says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. As our muses come on back this morning, I want to ask, what's your excuse? I mentioned beforehand that there'll be an opportunity for us to choose Christ. You'll find that in those pockets in front of you, there's a card that looks like this. And this morning, I want to, as... Clearly, passionately, sincerely as possible. ask you, if you're on your journey of faith, if you're looking for faith in God, take one more step. Just take one more step. Reach your hand forward, grab that card, and make the wisest decision that you can possibly make in this life and choose Christ. He's paid the price for us. This decision will change your eternity. This decision will change your present. This decision will change your struggle. So I was listening to a message this week from Chris Hodges. He was talking about a friend of his who was intimidated by his boss, by his colleague. He was a a blunt, brash man. And so he never took the opportunity to share the gospel message with him because he feared being ridiculed. And his colleague goes away on holiday and comes back with faith in Christ. And he comes to this guy's friend and he says, I understand why you never you know, invited me to church. I understand why you didn't witness to me. I know what I've been like, but why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that I could be free of the constant anger that's around my life? Why didn't you tell me that that guilt that I've been living with, that's plagued me and has caused me to act out in that manner to other people, can be taken away? Why didn't you tell me that? And I'm here this morning to tell you, this is what Jesus is offering you. Not in some far distant future, but now, right now. Reach forward. Take this card. Choose Christ. It starts with a prayer, and a prayer is my heart being heard by God. And it's my heart saying, God, I don't know it all. I haven't got it all worked out, but I know enough to ask that if you're real, would you meet with me? Would you help me to come to faith? Oh, I have an inkling. I have a start. Oh, I believe. Help my unbelief. And this morning, there are people across this room, and you know you've got to do that. You've got to take Christ. You've got to choose him. Reach forward. Choose Jesus this morning. Second group of people, and there's a lot more of you in this one. It's a different card. Next steps. And you know that God's been talking to you. You know there's more in you. You know that things are a little bit stagnant, a little bit stale, a little bit same as, same old. God's spoken to you. You're not waiting to hear his voice that, you know, this is what's next. You, You know that you're in that place of delayed obedience. How many more connect groups are there in this church that at the moment are just waiting on a yes? How many more people in this place aren't being reached because I'm just holding back? God's spoken to me about my finances. He's challenged me again and again. And I'm just, well, you know, I'm not there yet. When I've got a little bit more, when the circumstances change, then I'll take that step. Come on, this morning. Join me in quitting excuses. Yeah? This is a great adventure. If we're going to follow Christ, let's not be average Christians. Let's be amazing. Let's give Him our all. And when we do that, it's like a farmer who chooses to sow more seed. He doesn't expect a lesser harvest. What does he expect? A greater harvest. Church, you're amazing. The last time I was here compared to being here this time, you've grown again. There's more people that have been reached. That island nation of Vanuatu is changing because of your faith, your belief. What else has God got in us right here today? That's unrealized potential. Would you reach forward? Grab this card. Have a look at it. Well, Phil, there's something else that I'd like to do and it doesn't have a box for that. I'm telling you, go and talk to those people at the Next Steps desk and you tell them about that passion and that dream. There is room for you. There is room for you. Come on, come and grow with me this year. Stretch a little. How about we close our eyes, bow our head right now. And I'm going to ask you this morning. If you'll join me in taking that next step of faith, if you'll actually choose to stretch, I want right across this room this morning, Just, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I'm going to ask you to go to the next step, steps. But I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that just as God encountered Moses and just as God used him to bring liberty to people, God is going to do that for you. So if you, like me, can say, I believe, help my unbelief. If you, like me, go, I quit excuses this morning, would you just raise your hand right across this room? Thank you as your hands go up all across this place. Look at that. Look at that. Come on, God. You're so good to us. Thank you for responding. Thank you for listening to him. You can put your hands down. If right now you're going, I should have put my hand up. I wish I'd done that. Don't leave me out, Phil. Don't leave me out. Is there anyone else as I look across the room? Say, that's me. No, it's me, Phil. I'm just, thanks, man. Put it back down. See that hand? Any others? So I don't want to leave you out. Come on, God's got an adventure for you. Don't stay at the bush. Come on, He's using you to bring liberty, freedom, salvation transformation life and life more abundant to your household to your family to your colleagues to your friends to your neighbors to your community is there anyone else that says phil i know god's speaking to me and i've been paused at that place i've been here for too long i just seem to be keeping going round and round the mountain this morning can be your moment of breakthrough come on i'm waiting for you is there anyone else as i look across and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Father, you love us way too much to leave us in our comfort. For every person, Holy Spirit, who's heard your voice in their heart this morning, I thank you for transformation. I thank you for growth. I thank you for what's going to happen because of obedience. I thank you, Lord God, for households where your name is lifted high and you rule and you reign. I thank you for lives that are demonstration of salvation, demonstration of obedience to you. Holy Spirit, right now across this place, as we have taken that next step, you promised to meet us. And so right now, as you have called I ask that you would equip. As you equip, I would ask that you create opportunities. And Father, as we are obedient to take the opportunities, I would thank you for the transformation that will take place in the lives of others. I declare over this church, over these people, a people of transformation, a people who carry your presence, a people of miracles, a people, Lord God, whose heart's desire is your desires to see salvation come to see people set at liberty who are bound up in chains right now. And so, Holy Spirit, equip your people and your church. And to you we give all praise, glory, and honor this morning. And everyone who agreed said, amen. and amen. God bless you.